Good morning. Good morning, sir. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing well. You're looking uh, nice today. Thank you. I um, I recently upgraded my webcam at your recommendation, the Elgato face cam. It's like a full 1080p kind of situation. And uh, yeah, it looks really good. It was, it was pretty cheap, all things considered. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think they did a nice job overall. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, it's a worth worthwhile investment. I was also looking at uh, Opal. I think it was Opal camera, which looks really cool. Uh, sort of similar idea. Just like a, a souped up, nicer DSLR-ish kind of webcam uh, replacement. Yeah, it's interesting to see. I mean, I, I suppose this innovation is sort of spurred on by you know, COVID and people needing to, <laughs> to video chat all the time. I, I was looking at the Opal and I saw someone observing the fact that like Logitech seemed to really drop the ball on this. Like they sort of had it locked up and then, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah it seems like they, they just kind of stopped pushing forward and making things better. And I think of like, I think of them as like the company of like cheap plastic 720p at most cameras. Yep. yep. Yeah. It's interesting. I think there was also, there was like a shortage for a while too. People were trying to buy webcams and like you couldn't get one. And, and now it just seems like there's a lot of interesting, cool options out there, which is it's pretty sweet. Yeah, it makes sense. I, it was I was fully expecting the market to kind of respond to this. I'm actually a little surprised that the Apple cameras have not been upgraded more, like in the IMAX in particular, where they have the the space. I wouldn't be shocked to see another big leap there. Yeah, seems like iPhone has proved that like you can pack a lot of power into a really tiny space, <laughs> camera wise. Yeah, yeah, I think we'll all be looking better over the over the year, next year or so. Yep, I think so. That's a good prediction. Yeah. Uh, I look pretty normal because I'm using my MacBook <laughs> Air because yeah. I'm on Martha's Vineyard right now. Oh, nice, very cool. Yeah, yeah. Back from my sort of annual uh, trip down here, and this is my I think third September in a row, and yeah, it turns out still great. It's just a, a really nice like the place is beautiful. There's so many interesting like walks to go on. I've been doing a lot of like walking and swimming and like I've been in ponds. I've been in the ocean. I've been on, you know, on hikes through the woods, a um, bunch of family time. I'm staying with family for the first part. And then I'm renting an Airbnb with friends for the later parts. But it's, it's just, this is totally my happy place. I really love it here. I find myself having to do this thing uh, where like I keep like walking around and be like, it's so nice here. Like I, I, I want to get a house here someday. And then I'll be able to come down here and really enjoy it. <laughs> You're like, wait a second. They're like, no, wait, I'm already here. <laughs> yeah. And I just keep being like, oh, yeah, like once I do this thing, then I'll really be able to appreciate it. It's like, why? Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Like, just try to stop. Yep. <laughs> be, be here now. I go through that kind of similar exercise all the time when I travel to somewhere beautiful, like up on the North shore of Lake Superior. And it's like, Oh, it's be go to this epic cabin. That's like right on the lake. Like you probably wouldn't be able to build it anymore because it's so close to the water. And I'm like, man, it'd be cool to own something like this. Wait a second. I'm already, I have access to it for a relatively low cost per night. <laughs> so yeah. Yep. Yeah. It's so hard to not keep doing that. Mm-hmm. Yep. Easy trap. Yeah, it's nice. So I'm doing like a nice mix of like do some work in the morning, go do like a fun thing in the afternoon, come back, do a little more work, do a little bit at night sometimes. Just uh, I feel like I'm kind of like this is when I'm doing like remote work kind of the best in a way mm-hmm. where it's like be- because I'm somewhere that has so many interesting things to do, I'm taking advantage of, oh, hey, it's really nice in the morning or hey, it's really nice in the evening or you know, like picking the right window to go do things and fitting in work around around that. Yeah, yeah. 
Now, I mean, now that you've had a couple new teammates start, do you feel like pressure to be on right now? Or is it kind of feel like you've achieved a good balance of being able to kind of step away and be on kind I of part, like I, part time? I mean, I've mostly haven't stepped away that much. So like there, I haven't like been gone for any complete days during the week. Got it. Yep. Um, and so that actually has been fine. Like um, if Steven needs a thing for me, he's been like putting time on my calendar, which has worked well. So like I, I have like a, a private Savvy Cal link for him that has access to like everything. And then I just block off times. If I'm going to go for a hike, I just like put it on my calendar. And then so I can, he just, since he's, oh, I can meet with Ben this morning or later in the afternoon or whatever. And that has worked really nicely. Oh my God. Someone sent me a calendar link. It was, it was the worst interface I've ever seen. For this kind of thing. <laughs> it was amazing. It was free. It looked like some open source hacker version of like a calendar, like scheduling tool. Oh, it was so bad. I like, I actually basically couldn't figure it out. They had two calendars connected and it, it, I can't even describe what it was like <laughs> to do this thing. It was like create an account or don't set a password or don't. They had multiple calendars connected. And so like it showed their availability, like what the availability was like, oh, the, this calendar is available here. And then both calendars are available on these times. And I was like, does that mean I can only book where it's both? And I like literally couldn't figure, I couldn't figure it out. And so I eventually like was just like, um, I made us this thing and I made a custom Savvy Cal thing, which is, I don't do that very often, but like for this, it was nice because like they had sent me their link and I was just kind of like, nah, mm-hmm. sorry. <laughs> but so, it, I mean, I will say like the personalization of the thing and like the link, the, like the fact that their name is in the URL and the title of the event and all that, I was just like, that is really pretty nice. Well, this is good. This is music to my ears. I love this kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's so it was good. I feel like I keep needing like little things in Savvy Cal and like there they are. It's mm. it great. So awesome. hey, good job. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. The theme of my work in the last last week or so is trying to reflect ahead of this call. Like what what have I done that's actually interesting? And I feel like my my sort of public facing shipping spree has been a little bit slowed down in the last week or two. Like I haven't haven't had any like really, really compelling big features, but like most of the work I've been doing has been like investing in the core product experience in little ways where I don't necessarily get public credit for it. Things that are like essential to making the whole flow just feel right. And and I think that's pretty important for products like both of ours to be doing a lot of that kind of work all the time. No doubt. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of which, we just uh, put a new release out today. Yeah, I saw that. It's exciting. Yeah. Yes. Uh, so this is the one I had sort of talked about earlier where we've rewrote some chunks of the screen sharing, encoding, pipeline, and capturing and whatnot uh, to be more efficient. So we saw like this, this release has like 20 to 40% less CPU usage which is really handy. And then also the latency is lower too on the remote control. And I've been, I'm, I'm getting to experience the, uh, the joys of uh, product management and the uh, forever gloriously dissatisfied customers. So like we email out this update, which was, you know, a long time in the making and is like, I think pretty, pretty strong, pretty, pretty like a really nice set of features or like it's just sort of a nice improvement. I mean, I think the first email I got back was cool. Thanks. Hey, where's the Linux version? <laughs> yeah and then uh, yep. some early call feedback was like seems slower and it was like <laughs> and like may, who knows maybe they have a weird setup like it, it's, it's yeah it is a rewrite so like there certainly could be problems that like we like there's there actually is like a, a a decent amount of hardware variability so like maybe for this for this person it was slower for some reason i have a hunch it actually was just their connection but it was just like, you know, we put it out there and like, you know, some people are excited, but like immediately it's just like, hmm, seems bad. What's going on? I don't know. I like the old version. Like, where's the Linux one? And it's just like, ugh, please make this more satisfying. Yeah, so painful. Yeah. yeah. 
but you know, that's, that's all right. That's life after product market fit. I feel like, like once you're past the, the early hype machine, people who are excited about everything. Now these are just like ordinary customers in the market and they're not necessarily in that like inner circle of like excitement. They're just like, they have a very high threshold for, for what they expect. Right. I'm seeing also just like more requests for like kind of catch up features too, where it's like, oh, I like background noise removal that like Discord has. Or like, can you add the video background blurring like Zoom has? And it's like, I get it. It's like, yeah, we, we, I mean, those are just, those are useful things. And like, we would like to be able to support those things, but it's like, it's not, those are just going to be like, you know, check the box kind of features. Not like we just innovated dramatically here and something's better now. I, I mean, you need both, I guess. We should still be hopefully pushing the state of the art forward while also kind of being like, oh, this is just a good idea from over here. We should, we should have this too. Yep, totally. It's kind of a kind of a both and situation, mm-hmm. kind of balancing the two. Yep. Yep. Fortunately, we have more people and mm-hmm. more ability to do that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. One of your engineers is predominantly focused on sort of these like nitpicky things, right? How's that? That's right. How's that going? Good so far. Um, so this is the first release that had code from him in it, but I mean, he only started a couple weeks ago. Um, and he already has a few things that made it into that, the release, which is great. And they've all been like sort of small bug fixes here and there. Um, little things like if you use a USB audio interface or a virtual audio device, like it can like just like little like, oh, that's weird. Most people don't have an audio interface, but some people do. And so we have to support all these things. But yeah, no, it's it's been good. And it, it feels really nice for me to have someone to hand off those kind of things to. Um, versus just this general sense of like, seems like there's a bug over here, but like, it's not super high priority, but who will ever come back and fix this? I don't know. Having support on your team is great. In the last couple of days, my support rep, he's in the Philippines and they've had some major like storms over there, like typhoons, I think technically, and like knocked out power for 24 hours. And so he was able to here and there, like um, get connectivity and, and check things. But obviously I was like, you know, <laughs> please just take care of your, of yourself and your family, make sure everyone's safe. So like I've been on off and on, on support rotation, man, I've, I've been spoiled the last couple of months for the most part by Reggie, like just even, even though it's not super high volume, just him fielding, you know, the first line first tier has been such a, such a nice improvement, even though I technically am not, I don't think I'm filling his entire day with, with tickets, like, because they kind of go up and down, like, still well worth it to bring on a team member to to help with that and i probably probably could have done it even sooner to be honest because it's just it's just so nice i still have like a low grade stress about like putting people between founders and customers yeah i mean i read the communication and i still get to i dive into threads pretty frequently when someone's like requesting something or has a question where i can tell like it's it's a little more like if I do a little bit of digging here, there might be a nugget to pull out or some some like insight about where to take the product. So I do chime in on those pretty often. But even just the like taking my participation in those types of things out of the main flow of like we're trying to get back to customers in a timely manner and address simple questions um, is, is just huge. Hmm. Is it just the like the simple questions that are left, like basic account management things or answering simple things? Um, I I think it's simple things, and then there are more there are more nuanced questions for sure. I mean, I feel like our our user base is still decently like sophisticated in in their like ability to like wrap their head around the basic constructs in the product. So it's a lot of times it's things that are more 
more nuanced around like I'm setting up a round robin link and I have questions about how webhooks propagate around. And so a lot of these things are like good candidates for, you know, building out KB docs and things like that too. Um, which is also another thing that I look for as I, as I scan through like, okay, we need to, we need to like make this clear in the UI or write a doc for it or something like that. But even so, like if something comes up a handful of times, Reggie knows the product well enough where he can just kind of answer the question kind of tailored to, to their specific um, situation. And I don't have to do that, which is, which is nice. Mm, yeah. I think we should, I think we could be more diligent about fleshing the docs out yeah. and also getting a designer to help us make the UI more <laughs> discoverable. Yeah. Like someone just wrote us like a really nice, thoughtful feature request for a thing we already have. Mm, yeah. <laughs> like yeah thank you for this this request uh, appreciate all the detail that you put in it um yeah uh, we already have it <laughs> sorry yeah. to not make that more obvious twice in the last couple of days i've had i think someone was actually looking for the the cancellation flow they were like i couldn't find it so i deleted my account like they found the delete account button but they couldn't find the cancel button and it's like I feel like it's in a decently like expected place like you go to settings and then there's a billing tab and you go to the billing tab and there's a cancel button so it's like how could I make that even more obvious? And it's impossible to cover all these edge cases, but still I'm like, man, this like making products fully like um, intuitive to people is really tricky. Yes. <laughs> and when it happened twice, I'm like, what are we doing? Are we doing something wrong? Like what's going on here? But I, I don't, I think it's just random. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think doing some like user testing is probably like the best answer to this problem mm -hmm. in general. It's like, if you could have watched this person like where they looked instead that like probably right. would have been interesting yeah it like, might have helped you figure it out and like there's going to be some i think there's just some amount of these that just just will never like you're not going to get 100 percent of people understanding 100 mm -hmm. percent of your interface yeah so like that's that's fine but yeah i do feel like this is actually a really very challenging problem that's like kind of art plus science mm -hmm. of like how do you make a thing that people will understand how to use and like kind of get a sense of where to look for things and understand your paradigms and yeah it's hard yeah someone else also this was like uh, this happened publicly on a twitter thread or something someone was like um i'm looking for an alternative to calendly da, 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 and someone recommended savvy cal and they were like yeah they don't do they don't do team scheduling at all so i'm looking for something else and they're like oh we do and they're like oh i didn't see that anywhere on your website so i already signed signed up for another tool I was like, oh, that was the most painful thing I read all day. And then someone else chimed in too and was like, yep, same thing. Didn't see it on the website, so I assumed you didn't have it. I was like, oh. I mean, I was, on the one hand, yes, I, I've been intending to like update the kind of the features uh, featured on the marketing site to be more reflective of some of the stuff we've built recently. But also like I just had in my mind that like this is sort of a table stakes feature for most scheduling tools. And like, I think people are going to assume that it's just there and they're going to be surprised if it's not. But I think the opposite is happening where people, uh, clearly some people are totally missing the fact since they don't see it on the website, they're like just kind of not even giving us a chance, which is just like, oh, that that's painful. Well, just, yeah, just add updating the website to your yep. very short <laughs> exactly. to-do list. Exactly. Yeah. We quoted our largest deal ever last Ooh. week or a week ago somewhere something like, that, something like last week it was kind of one of those like this number feels almost ridiculous but if i calculate what they have in payroll it's literally like a billion dollars right <laughs> right so yeah. this number isn't that crazy mm-hmm 
And so we sent it over to them and like gritted our teeth and just sent it. And they were like, okay, cool. Thanks for that. We're going to talk internally and uh, discuss and we'll get back to you. And we're like, wow. They just like, like the fact that they weren't like, LOL, send us the real number. Quit, quit screwing around. It was just kind of like, man, the, the numbers that like are feasible at the scale of like large and larger companies are, it's just kind of crazy. It's still, I, I'd still feel like I'm constantly adjusting to it. Yeah. Yeah. That would be hard to get, hard to get used to that. Like, are you, you're really not flinching at this at all? Like this is, this is NBD. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like yeah. you're not, you don't burst out laughing when we say mm-hmm. this number. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean like, yeah, it's like, I had to like kind of sit down and be like, okay, what percentage of payroll is this number? Okay. That seems actually pretty reasonable. This is like right. adding only this many engineers. Like if we, mm-hmm. if we can make their engineers this percent more effective, it's worth this many dollars. Okay. That actually seems kind of fine. Mm-hmm. So. Cause you're at like, just, I mean, you're, you're like list price is what? 25 per seat, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then your enterprise is probably more than that, but like, mm-hmm. but still like, yeah, it's, it's a tiny, tiny fraction of that and en- the engineer who's using it of their like hourly rate even or of their you know of their total salary maybe it's like an hour of their time or something per month right right yeah yeah so. exactly it's yes and like granted that's not if people were purely rational you could just you know kind of assume that this reasoning would work people would say oh you made them one percent more effective you can charge me up to you know 0.9 percent of their annual salary that doesn't really work that way unfortunately but it it did put it in perspective like we were like well should we say this should we say this much should we say this much and it's like okay like they had like i think it was five thousand engineers and it's like okay what's five thousand times two hundred thousand? okay that's a billion dollars <laughs> <laughs> um okay that's good to know yep yep Jeez, five thousand engineers i can't even yeah <laughs> right there seems to be kind of like a lot of companies that have like that many, enge- weirdly that many engineers. That seems like insane to me. And like, it's just not, that's not like a hugely weird thing in the world. Companies are just, they're crazy. What yeah. a what a thing. Would you say this is like in the tier of company that we would have heard of even, or is this just like a sleeper, yeah. like 5,000? Okay. All right. It's yeah. You, yeah. You've, you've heard of this particular one. Okay. Yeah. Um, but that's because they're kind of, yeah, like they're, they're tech adjacent. They're sort of in our world. I guess that makes sense given they're how that many developers. Yeah. I'll let you know if I run into a 5,000 developer company that you've never heard of. I, I suspect that will be pretty easy to happen. I bet there are lots of like banks and or like financial organizations that have that that number of developers that you maybe are not familiar with. Right. Like how much is like JP Morgan Chase? How many do they employ? And they have like yeah, 150,000 employees or something. Probably. So, probably. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Companies can be really big. Turns yeah. out. Yeah. And so a question about like, just take this company, for example, what was their trajectory like of discovering Tuple? Did like they have engineers that just like knew about the tool, started using it. And then before long, like, uh, it made it percolated its way up to the VP of engineering or CTO or something. Pretty much. Yeah. It's the, it's the classic thing we've seen a bunch of times where they started small and they keep growing each month and some months they grow a lot. And so it eventually got someone's attention and they were like, we'd like to get an agreement in place. And we'd also like to discuss possibly just rolling this out to the whole company. If we look at the per user price across the whole company, that's a bit scary. Do you have anything we could do about that? And so, yeah, that just kicked off a discussion. That grassroots adoption, man. And it's really, uh, it's really compelling. <laughs> it is. It's so dumb that we make it so hard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is like the top of my list for kind of planning the next quarter. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially if I can get some design help is like, I can't believe 
how hard we make it to try our product. Yeah. Which it's a really, on the one hand, it's a really good sign that despite the friction, it's still working. And, but then, yeah, it's like how, how much are you leaving on the table? Well, guess you'll see. it is weird. Yeah. And like, you have to like sign up and enter a credit card to like get the app. Like there's no download button on the site. And that's actually kind of crazy. Like it, it requires like changing how the funnel works. So like that, there's reasons for all this, but they're mostly historical. They're not like this is the best possible way we could think of to do this. So I'm a customer of CleanShot, which is like this great little screenshot tool for macOS. Shout out to macOS apps. Solidarity. They have the same thing. So like I got a new Mac and I was like, oh, I need to get CleanShot on this. And I went to their website and there's no download button. And they're like, sign in, sign up. And I'm like, I guess sign in. And I sign, I, 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 oh, okay, I do. I guess I have an account here. And then I get to the, my account. And they're like, here's our web version of the, you know, screenshot management portal. And I'm like, what? Like, where's, <laughs> where's the app? And I just kept, I, I like had to like Google it. And like, it was like, yeah, I just want, give me a download button. And I was like, oh my God, we do this too. <laughs> oh no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yep. Man. So there's some things to improve. Always, always things to optimize. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I'll go update my website. You go uh, make the client downloadable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We make a thing, but you can't touch it. It's right. hard to get. Really right. hard to get. That's a, that's a good idea. Yeah. And yeah. And I can see in like our like Google searches, like people like tuple app, tuple app download. <laughs> and we're just like, no, no download. <laughs> oh, man. Ugh. Ugh. It's nuts. Uh, yeah. You got to just, I think you just got to be cool with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You just got to be comfortable with the lack of, like the, the sense that everything is always, cause it could always be better. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Well, um, as we learned from our friends at Stripe, they still feel that way constantly totally. about everything. Uh, so that means we, yeah, that's, yeah, exactly. Yep. I, I feel like this is, there's like a couple things about running a company that require like a pretty, strong mental shift and or like or like a mental challenge and like i think one is that is the product gap and the other is like the lack of certainty or stability really where like you exist in a competitive landscape and like everyone's trying to get more customers and steal yours ideally and you know it's like it's like today things are good but there's just no sense that like a year from now things will still be good um it's there's no sense of like comfort or you know like just calm it's just like you're just agreeing like part of it is like you're agreeing to sign up to just kind of always be in a fight mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and, a, and a fight that affects your livelihood mm-hmm. <laughs> and so it's like and the rewards can be really good but like that there's this like yawning chasm of downside where you're like oh god what if it all goes away yeah i think capitalism cuts both ways in that sense like it <laughs> provides the ability to create tons of value but also like everyone else the rational actors will recognize that and step in and try to take a piece of your pie. Yeah. Yep. And like you, you're like, you never know when someone might just be like, oh, we just raised $80 billion mm-hmm. to target your segment and look at all the amazing, we have a hundred people and yeah, like that's, that's just, that's the reality. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I'm, I'm, so I'm here on Martha's Vineyard. It's expensive here. Lots of, lots of fancy houses. And I'm like, oh man, like I wonder if, could I get one of these houses one day? And it's like, well, I mean, if things keep going like they are, maybe. But like, uh, what if they turn the other way? Mm-hmm. What if they go well for a while, but then they really start going poorly? And like, what are reasonable financial decisions to make when you have so much uncertainty? 
but I get that's that's the game, I guess. That's just like it's like going to the beach and complaining about the sand. It's like you you knew this this was here. This is part of the thing. Yeah. And and the beauty of SaaS is that like even if factors came in like a big competitor or some element of platform risk even where like you know something was was getting hard to contend with a new operating system or something like that like still your revenue your recurring revenue will not evaporate overnight which is at least somewhat comforting you know <laughs> that's true yeah it's yeah. not like one-time sales where you like mm-hmm. really um like you're all you're constantly making a new thing but yeah yeah Watching your slow decline into obsolescence, <laughs> I don't think is like much comfort there. Like at least it's happening slowly. True. At least you <laughs> get a little bit of lead time to figure out what you're gonna, how you're gonna respond. To, <laughs> yeah, to, to sell the vineyard house before yeah. you. Uh, right. Exactly. Can't make the mortgage. Liquidate payments. all the assets. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. 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 This is. I mean, this this gets at my tension um, of like taking profits out and reinvesting them in the business. Where it's like the more you like sort of double down on this thing that represents such a huge portion of your net worth versus take some money off the table as you go. And like, are you hurting the business by doing that? Well, kind of probably a little bit. Yes. Like you, the business could probably do better if you put kept more profits in it. But if you just always do that and then you look, you, you will wake up five years from now. And you're like, oh God, like uh, we didn't, we didn't do this. And now we're on the decline and we are having trouble keeping up with whatever is happening in the world now that's, yeah. that's changed. Yeah, that would that would be a pretty interesting topic to like to try to flesh out more like ways to think about diversification for for like bootstrappers, you know, when it's like when you have the ability and the control over the company to say like we don't have to we don't have to fully reinvest everything into growth. We'll want to do some of that, like if you harvest everything out, then then, yeah, that could have detrimental impact on the business and your ability to like continue outmaneuvering the competitive landscape. But but then, yeah, how much? I don't know how much do you take out? That's an interesting, I think that's what a lot of us, you know, founders are always having to contend with, but I don't hear it talked about that much actually. So. Yeah. Same. I've had private conversations about this with people. Mm -hmm. Um, And and sometimes I'm very shocked. Like someone with like an eight figure a year SaaS business talking about like, just like paying themselves a normal salary almost all the time and then reinvesting basically everything. It's like, wow, you're, you're making like a developer salary and you have a, $20 $20 million SaaS business. Like, oh my goodness. I just, to me, you've, you've won, but like the business has won, but like you have not won yet. And if you don't want to sell it, then like, when, when are you going to win? Like when you, you're going to develop this muscle, I, I think. Mm-hmm. I Which I wonder in those cases, when, when there is like aggressive reinvestment happening and there's not like venture capital pressures and things like that, then it do I do wonder like if there's a lot of times more of that in the back of my mind of like I'll make this as valuable as I can and then sell it, but it's kind of unpopular to say that you're building your business to sell it because so much of the ethos is like no, just build it so that you can run it for p- potentially ever. But yeah, it kind of doesn't make sense if you're like for ten years you've only drawn a meager developer salary and yet you've created so much enterprise value that's illiquid and will remain that way for a long time. You know. Yes. Yep. Which I, th- I yeah. think that's kind of what like the tiny seed model relies on is that people will behave rationally at a certain point. If you have a ton of value locked up in your company, then you will eventually want to get liquidity somehow and they will get to participate in that. Whether you sell it, whether you take on some, you know, secondary sales or whatever to like take some de-risk things a little bit or whatever, like 
I'm just kind of banking on the fact that like there will be liquidity in some form at some point. Yeah, that seems, I mean, that seems like a pretty safe bet. I wish I knew like what percentage of businesses eventually like, like SaaS companies sell within N years. That'd be an interesting stat. Yeah. I suspect it's a lot. I think so. I mean, yeah. There are very few like base camps out there who are, who are like saying we've been in business for 20 years doing SaaS, you know, like that's, you don't hear those stories. Now there's maybe there are, there's a lot who are just kind of sleepers and not really talking about their story much to, to, to give us an insight into that data. But yep. yeah. 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 Hmm. Yeah. And I get, I mean, I get the incentives. Like there's a lot of reasons you could decide to not want to work on your business anymore. And the fact that it comes paired with this like payday, which is maybe the first time you've really taken a lot of cash off the table. Um, I can see how that gets very seductive. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Well, do you have some updates you'd like to share? Um, just a few things. I so yesterday was one of those days. I just have to. I just have to vent on on air here. Um, was <laughs> was one of those days where I woke up. Woke up. Just got a relatively benign looking support email. Like, hey, I think there's something something um, off with the way time blocks work. So time blocks is a feature where we allow someone to to put events on their calendar. It's like call call the event meetings or something and then you can key your availability in SavvyCal based off of where those events occur. So if you create a meetings block, it'll be a mark you as available for your meetings link. So he showed, which it was kind of good. He's like, I think this is a developer who um, reported this issue. So it was like a, a very nice, comprehensive, thorough report. He was like, here's a side-by-side. -side. One screen where you get to preview your availability showed basically what you expect. And on the other side was the scheduling link and it was different. And I knew that like these two things shared basically the identical logic. Um, so I was like, that is very strange and started looking into it, looking into it. And this took me like six hours and it was the most grueling. Like I remember doing this quite a bit more. Uh, I feel like I had more of these types of like bang your head against a wall for a really long time things when I was building drip, but I haven't really had one of those in a long time. And I had all these plans of things I was going to work on that day and like kind of a shipping cadence in my mind. And basically like all of that was set aside because I was like, I have to figure this out. It's a, it's bad enough that like anyone who's using this, like could potentially be sending like bad availability to their recipients, which is really not good. He was like, yeah, I got one thing like scheduled over. Like it was, so it was like presenting the wrong availability. And I like tried, I was like, okay, well, let me just basically try to recreate the exact circumstances and like took me like an hour to just reproduce it. Like, and that was the worst time is when you're like, you have a bug and you, you're, you're observing it. I looked at his link and it's like, yep, definitely can confirm that it's happening for him, but I don't know what the actual thing is that's causing it to happen and I can't repro it. So, so that was really frustrating. And then I finally did. I was like, okay, I know, I know that I can reproduce it. And then I started playing with different like parameters. Like, okay, the one thing that was curious about this was that the, the time block event was like sp spread across multiple days. So I was like, well, what makes, what makes it different for it to be a multi-day event versus a, versus like within the span of one day. And I like tried a bunch of different permutations of multi-day events and like, nope, wasn't triggering. And then finally I got it to trigger. And I was like, okay, when it, when it wraps across a week barrier, when it goes from Saturday to Sunday, so I was like, okay, well, let's, 
it didn't, it didn't make sense to me for a long time. So I was banging my head against the wall, trying all kinds of things, logging in the console, like querying his events, like what's special about his events? Um, and finally narrowed it down to, it was like basically a pagination issue with when we, when we are querying ranges of time. So we would query the one, the current week you're looking at. And if the time block wrapped around to the next week, then when we queried the next week, it kind of had like extra availability left over from that previous week because the time block went back in time and we weren't like chopping that off. So we weren't subtracting conflicts from that block of time on page two. And it was basically clobbering over the conflicts that we had subtracted out on page one. So it only occurred on like the booking interface where we do this kind of pagination and not on the other preview interface. So extremely edge casey. Um, and those details are probably super boring for anyone to listen to, but I had to get them out there <laughs> because it was just, oh my gosh, took my entire day. So mm. rant over. <laughs> nice. Well, glad you got it fixed. Mm -hmm. Build that moat, Derek. Yep. Yep. Dig the moat. So took a took a shovel full out of the moat on that one. Um, and then, yeah, there were some other little things that were not not like to that level, but little little edge case bugs here or there that just felt good to like get resolved once and for all. Also, I had like an issue with someone who had decided to connect like 20 calendars to to check for conflicts. And we run all these things in parallel. But still, like if you're looking at your link and then you send it out to people and a bunch of people look at your link that's like a lot of queries against the Google API. And so started bumping up against rate limits from that. Um, and we were sort of erring on the side of, of querying as often as like, as often as possible. Anytime someone would, would page through a link or refresh it, like we were always getting the latest from Google. So we were making a lot of requests. And um, this was actually, like occasionally this would happen here or there. And I was like, okay, we need to, we need to solve this once and for all because people just see an error when that happens. For this, this one in particular, I was like, well, in the meantime, you can like uncheck a bunch of your calendars, but that's not like a good final solution. So um, finally got around to putting in like basic caching. So we, we pull, in, pull in events from your calendar and then we hold on to them for a minute. And if someone books an event, we always know we have that information on our side already. So we, you know, people won't be able to book back to back, even if it's seconds apart. But for other calendar events that show up on your calendar, they're fresh up to within one minute now. And that just takes now I have like an 80 percent cash hit rate on event queries. So as a side effect, everything is like booking pages are much snappier after first load as you look around, which is really cool. Nice. And uh and no more rate limiting issues. So, nice. yeah, that's a nice win-win. Mm -hmm. I love it when there's, yeah, there's a little extra benefit like that. It's always nice icing on top. Any concern about the complexity of maintaining a local cache there? Not particularly because um, the nice thing about Elixir is it sort of has these constructs kind of baked in to the way, the whole way that the, the language is architected so they have this concept of like a gen server which is like a way to store state in memory in the process and there's a really nice caching library called cachex that uses those underlying constructs so it's super performant and you can set policies around it like you know only store this many entries to make sure you don't have runaway memory usage and like kind of eviction policies around that kind of stuff and um 
it was much easier to implement than like what I did back in my Rails days where you'd like spin up a Redis instance and then like send data over the wire into Redis. And then if Redis, Redis is a point of failure, well, in this case, there's like, there's, it's just stored in the VM itself. So there's no like, there's no um, cross server communication needing to happen for cache access. So overall, like it's pretty, feels like still a pretty self-contained um, system, which is nice. just nice. Yeah, that's cool. It's nice that that's a kind of a first class feature. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, is that it for this week? I think that's it for me. Yeah. Cool. I got some some calls. I pushed a bunch of calls this afternoon because I went for a long walk this morning. Very nice. <laughs> Love yeah. it. Hey, man. Well, so notes of the show. Notes of the show can be found at artofproductpodcast.com. Thanks for listening. See ya. Bye.